Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Wendy's with us in studio. Welcome back. Always lovely to have you here. Thanks so much, Pippa. So we're going to give you a quick update on last week's story around alcohol deliveries via online services. We're going to pick up on a really exasperating TV license story as a follow-on to Monday's interview with lawyer Stephanie Fick. And by the way, if you missed that segment, we looked at the legal ins and outs of who has to have a license, how many licenses are needed, what are the consequences of not paying one, all that kind of legal stuff. So if you missed it, please do look for the podcast on the app and website. And then once we've dealt with the the cancellation of license issue, which we're going to talk to Wendy about, we'll hopefully have time to squeeze in a few Black Friday tips uh, ahead of the dreaded shopping uh, extravaganza uh, uh, that that is coming our way. And in some cases has, in fact, already arrived. So if you want to join the conversation, ask a question, share your own perspective, 021-446-0567 is the number to dial and your voice notes to 072-567-1567. Now, Wendy, last week we were chatting about the possibility of under 18s procuring alcohol via online delivery platforms. And you talked us through the mechanisms the various retailers have in place to try and make sure that doesn't happen. And then after the show, we were contacted by a local alcohol researcher, very glad to hear the issue being addressed on air. And he tipped us off about about the fact that actually this is obviously not unique to South Africa. Australia has been grappling with it as well. And they've actually very recently published a, a, a report on it, Wendy. Yeah, they did. So New South Wales uh, in Australia just last month published a review of regulatory controls and supplier practices of online liquor retailers. It's a very long, detailed, but fascinating report, um, which I've had to, we're just going to take the nuggets out of yep. given our time constraints. But the upshot was that several gaps in safeguards were identified, including an absence of consistent mandatory signage by retailers, which is an issue in South Africa. So there isn't, it should be. Um, there should be legislation around if you're selling alcohol, this is what you need to put um, as a warning for about underage drinking. The okay. Orders you know, being made by those underage um, not being okay. Um, and um, the authors identified three areas, key areas for improvement with practical recommendations. And I think our local um, online retailers who are selling booze and our legislators would do well to take note of. So it was prohibition of same-day deliveries being left unattended. And we didn't even think about that last week when we were discussing it. Just dropped off. And sometimes that happens, and it shouldn't be happening if there's alcohol. Um, Mandating age verification at the point of purchase and delivery, so that needs to be a legal requirement. Requiring all same-day delivery drivers to undertake responsible delivery of alcohol training. So not um, just to say, well, we've told them, we've informed them, but for there to be for that to be a structured and, okay. and for no one, none of those delivery partners to be allowed to deliver alcohol unless they've um, undergone that training. Yeah, unless okay. they've had that training. And as said, all three of those um, recommendations were incorporated into the New South Wales Liquor Amendment Bill 2020. So we'll definitely come back to this one. Um, but thanks to that mom who didn't want to be named because she didn't want her daughter to <laughs> get any flack. Yes, but um, for raising the issue and. Um, 
it's clearly, you know, this online thing, especially in South Africa, has just taken off to such an alarming extent. And a lot of things haven't caught up yeah. with the reality. And this is one of them, that okay. we, that those loopholes um, that need, need to be closed. To be closed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for the update. And yes, absolutely, a conversation to be continued uh, at a later date. Uh, for now, let's continue a conversation that we started on Monday in our legal talk segment when we went through sort of the legal ins and outs of who needs a TV license and why you have to have them. Uh, and Wendy, we had once again a flurry of messages from listeners saying, never mind the issue of who has to have one. I used to have one. I've tried to cancel it, mm. but the SABC just won't get the message. Let me share a couple of them with you. Uh, we had a WhatsApp from Anonymous saying, I informed the SABC in January 2015 that my mom had passed away. Uh, she, We sent off all the relevant certified documents. I've only just received a letter telling me that she's in arrears. So that is six years, nearly seven years later. Cecile saying, my daughter emigrated to the UK three years ago. And for the past couple of months, I am being bombarded almost daily with messages about her TV license. I don't know where they got my number, how to make it stop. And Greg has just emailed me, same sort of situation, saying... I inherited my grandmother's television on her death in 2009. I cancelled her license and applied for one in my name, and the transformation was seamless. Then in 2011, prior to my TV license renewal in September, I cancelled it again, as I found that over 12 programs were being repeated daily, and I seldom watched the drivel they fed us on those channels. I telephoned accounts at the SABC to be told I needed to put it in writing. I typed a letter, sent it via fax, emailed it and registered the letter with the affidavit to their offices. Several months later, I was called by their so-called lawyers demanding payment. And when I explained the situation to them and told them I had not had an account from them since cancelling mine, I mentioned I'd given the old box set TV to one of the movers. The lawyer asked if I had checked their license. And I told them when I ride in a vehicle with someone, I don't check the driver's license. I take it that they have one and are obliging with the law. It's not my duty to police individuals, is Greg's comment. Uh, For years after this, I was harassed by these lawyers and told I told them please to proceed with legal action and that they were welcome to do a search of my home without notice. I still don't have a TV and I doubt I will ever lower my standards again. If I do purchase a television, I will do the right thing and apply for a license. Greg, touching on an issue that Stephanie, the lawyer, did talk about, that in order to sell a television, you have to have a television license. It is a complicated uh, complicated Gosh. mechanic. Um, but there we go. Uh, Greg, another person who's obviously struggled with the process. And Wendy, they're, they're not alone. Yeah, I'm afraid yeah. to, uh, to say up front that we're going to ask more questions than answer them at the at, in today's segment. But um, I think a nice little... Um, precursor to to something we're going to deal with next week. Um, I've just heard from um, somebody at the SABC. I had asked for an interview and had asked more particularly for answers to some of my questions around yes. these practical issues of, you know, cancelling your TV license. And uh, I specified it was for today. And I was told um, that, um, yes, um, the appropriate persons available tomorrow from one o'clock for an interview based on your questions below. And I said, uh, it was Wednesday. Um, oh, and they said, um, because they're not, she's not available on Friday. I was like, it was actually for today. Read the email. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry for the mix up. Um, so I think it's a to be continued. But um, yeah, so Kim told us about her attempts to help the family of a Cape Town woman who passed away in February of this year at the age of 103. She hadn't been able to watch TV for quite a number of years because she had um, macular degeneration. degeneration yeah. And it turns out 
it's a side issue, but she hadn't uh, paid for a few years. You know, senior citizen doesn't pay very much, but she hadn't paid it for a for a, for a, a, Couple of a years, number yeah. three okay. or four years. Um, and family members were now receiving letters of demand from a, one of the SAPC's many mandated collection agencies for that fee. Um, and and the confusion came as they had informed the SABC of her death, supplying them with her death uh, certificate, and weren't able to make any headway in, yeah. in you know as many people talk about um, getting to the right person in the right way. Um, and hence the email to us. Okay, now happily since you intervened in this particular case, there is some progress because the general manager of the debt collection agency involved in that case has now contacted Kim and they're trying to sort out the issue. But as we've just heard from all these other messages, Wendy, uh, she's not alone. And here is a great example of what happens all too often. Somebody prefers to stay anonymous emailing me to say, I haven't had a television for years, but to avoid the waste of time and stress and frustration I still pay the 285 rand per year because it is not worth my mental health trying to resolve it. And in brackets, and I am snoop, but I still pay the 285 (laughs) rand. That's what a lot of people are actually actually doing. I actually saw a thread on on Twitter either earlier this week, or I think it was earlier this week, or maybe late last week, um, and several people say just that. They pay up every year to avoid blacklisting because they can't succeed in getting their licenses cancelled. And remember... Unlike retail debts um, for, say, your Edgar's account or whatever, which prescribe after three years if you don't pay and you don't um, acknowledge the debt in any way, SABC license debt falls under government, uh, the category of government debt, and it does not prescribe for 30 years. So they really do have you, and that's why this harassment just continues and continues, and you can't. Um, put up the prescription defense because you don't have it, or not unless they've been hounding you for 30 years. Anyway, so I... Um, there was an article published in my broadband just a few days ago, last week, I think, by one of the its staff writers saying my experience, it was obviously long and involved, my ex- experience showed that it is basically impossible to follow the government's suggestions and receive assistance from the SABC to cancel a license. Um, she, he was, she said that the emails were ignored and the calls were a dead end. So a okay. question to... We just need to go to news, Wendy. Sorry oh, right, to interrupt of course. you. So I'm going to head away to, here. Go, go to the news and we're going to come back and, and pick up on that because the, the, the questions basically arise from what everybody is saying, that if you try to use the process they tell you to use to cancel a license, it simply doesn't work. Cape Talk. Consumer Talk. WhatsApp on 072-567-1567. All right, we're back with Wendy Nola. And on the subject of TV licenses, one person on the WhatsApp saying, I went straight to the SABC building in Seapoint to cancel my license and they got it right. That's Ooh, good to know. A tip. Um, Ethel asking, is there a reduction for pensioners? Yes, a substantial yeah. one, Ethel. The pensioner's rate is 74 rand a year uh, versus, was it 265 yes. uh, for, for non-pensioners? So absolutely, if you haven't applied for that, you should be uh, doing so. Uh, another person saying, I cancelled my license with an affidavit in 2015. I've not had a TV since then. I still got multiple messages demanding payment in 2019. Sent another affidavit with a lawyer's letter citing harassment with proof of the original affidavit. And I still get weekly requests for payment. Let them blackmist me. I'm over it. Gosh, yeah. I was going to end the segment by saying, you know what, we're going to definitely have them answering the questions. Because I was saying, don't worry about the interview if you can't make it. Just answer my questions. questions. And I still yeah. didn't get that. But um, I wanted to say, just write to me, put TV 
license in the in the subject line and put all your reference details there and we'll send off a bundle but I don't know if I'm biting off more than I can <laughs> chew listening to those think- WhatsApps but I do put the invitation out we can repeat it in a bit but um, so the issues are and and this is based on what I've had in recently and um, what I've covered in the past um, and uh, so I asked the SABC TV license division um why are so many consumers failing at cancelling their licenses? Does the SABC make it just too hard? Are the instructions not properly explained? Or are consumers just not grasping them and failing to comply? Um, so on the TV license website under FAQs, there don't appear to be detailed instructions for each scenario, such as the TV's no longer working, the TV's been given away, such as to the mover in that one case yeah. we heard, or sold... A spouse who's been paying the license for years moves out of the home after a divorce, leaves the TV with the ex-spouse. Uh, what what affidavit or what what proof? Because they won't they want proof. You see, yeah. you can't just say this has happened. They want some kind of proof. In most cases, there are quite a few hoops to jump through. Yeah, and very important. This is something I've picked up in the past, and I want to know if it's still the case. And I suspect it is. If the TV license holder sends through to the SABC on whatever platform notification of ch- of changes around TV ownerships or wanting to cancel, um, and they send this in the wrong way or to the wrong address or on the wrong platform, does the SABC notify them of this and say, please try again? That, you or know, they just leave it? Or they yeah. just leave it and do a handover? Mm. I asked that question years ago and I got the latter answer. So but they're still doing it. And it's not really... Maybe they're going to say they haven't got the capacity to deal with that. But I think, you know, there's certain – before you hand over, you've got to notify. That's so surely it's easy enough to say we've received your application, but it's missing you still document need to do XYZ. This. I think yeah. it's just easier to hand over. So I'm, I'm putting it out there and stand to be corrected by the SABC when they join us next week. But that's um, if, if that's happened to you in particular, um, I would like to know about it. Um, so something that um, – was uh, yeah I've seen on the FAQs they'll say do this via the prescribed form or affidavit but they don't tell you where to find the form and they really should so I've asked no, them why don't they do that to get it. should be yeah. making it really really easy especially if there's some hoops as I say to jump through um they, okay. Yeah, I mean, they do give things like they give the postal address that you're supposed to send your notification of, of a cancellation to, Wendy. But then a lot of people complaining say we've done answer. that. And then what? Do, you don't get a response. And, and how do you prove that it's arrived unless you sent it as a registered letter, for example? Okay, so just to be clear, you reached out to them for feedback. We did invite them to join us on the show today. Uh, it sounds like they're as mangled in their <laughs> communication strategy, Wendy, as they are in their cancellation strategy. Yeah, so yeah. I need to do a few things in the next uh, week and would like people to send me their cases. But please, I need details and dates and license numbers, numbers and whatever. And things, if, yeah. if you want me to, to put it through in both my bundles that I'm going to send through, I'm going to get hold of one of the um, debt collectors that dealt with um, that case you mentioned case, earlier, yeah. Kim's case, and ask them because one of the things Kim said was there wasn't a um, – all these demands came through via SMS from them, but no um, details about how to actually pay. So, I mean, pointless, yeah. it is a bit yeah. pointless. So um, there's that. And, um, and yeah, I'll send it through and uh, we'll come back to this issue next, next week, week because it is an important one. And I, th- and I think, you know <laughs> – 
We don't want the situation which currently exists and it does serve the SABC where people just think, oh, you know what, for 265 Rand, I'm just I'm going just to pay. carry yeah. on paying. I don't have that TV. I don't watch TV, whatever the case is. But um, it's really not worth my, it's 265 Rand a year is, um, you know, worth it for me to spare myself. Health, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, summarized. So, so that really shouldn't be the case. It shouldn't. So let's, okay. we'll, we'll do my best to grapple with these issues in more detail and, and with, certainly with the input of the SABC TV license And hopefully pin somebody division. down to come on air with yeah, us. Yeah, I think yeah. one of the things that's happened is in, in April this year, I received an email notifying me of the temporary, so-called temporary closure of the TV licenses, communications and liaison office, which had been oh. very... Um, efficient actually in my case. I've dealt with the same person for about 10 years and always got responses and now everything's going through to the general, the SABC's general corporate comms um, division which is you know, making it a little difficult, a little bit more cumbersome, I think, to get uh, these um, media okay. responses. So to be continued, our apologies. We were really hoping the SABC would be with us today, but let's hope we can pin them down for next week. The one not, the, uh, question I can answer is this one. Somebody's WhatsApp saying, if you've got more than one TV, does every no. TV have its own license? No, it doesn't. Wendy, it's one per household, isn't it? It's one per household, okay. yes. Um, so, so if you've got multiple sets in the home, you only need one person in the home to be the license holder. But do be mindful of the fact that if there is then a change in your home circumstances, like a divorce, you need to then legally process a change of the TV license ownership, as it were. Cape Talk. Consumer Talk. Call now on 021-446-0567. Technically, Black Friday is next Friday, the 26th of November. But deep size, Wendy, it's not Black Friday anymore. It's suddenly become Black November. And I'm yeah. sure you're as tired it as was, of it as I am. I totally am. And it started creeping this way a year or two ago. And now it's just full on. Um, I am thoroughly over Black Friday press releases. Um, <laughs> and they've really hit a crescendo in, uh, in this the last week. couple of days. Wow. Yeah. Every bank, financial services regulator, e-retailer has put out insurers and have put out statements about Black Friday on November the 26th, which, as we all know, has become Black November. Um, one bank's PR agency today, actually, even attached a voice note of an official giving her Black Friday um, spending advice Um and rendered it um, unusable, really, unless it was edited because she spoke about financial woos instead oh, of woes. Goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, ouch. <laughs> anyway, I won't shame the bank to protect the, the PR agency. Oh, um, but, yeah, I mean, they don't need to extend this promo bargain, bargain, supposed fest beyond November, of course, because come December. Christmas, Christmas approach lots. Yes. Okay. So, so anyway, the releases... Yeah, so it's just, I find it quite fascinating, actually, because given the current financial climate, given how You'd drastically think. so many people's spending power has been affected by the by the pandemic, I'm quite surprised that it's as still as big as and it there is. There are two things, yeah. I think, that I've picked up, and they weren't really in the releases, but the one is... When you're in a really tough situation, you're even more likely to want to um, give yourself a little bit of retail therapy. And secondly, the swing to online through the pandemic hitting the lockdowns of the start in March. I mean, there's just been this this unprecedented leap five years worth of growth happened overnight, pretty much in a few months. And so I think the two... Uh, factors together, we're going to be, and that's a worry given the debt levels mm. of of this country. So, yeah, credit card. I think it's only seventy percent of 
credit card store card holders are are meeting their minimum payment requirements um, already. Yeah, yeah, so that's many many millions of accounts that are. Yeah. yeah. Okay. As we go into the spend fest, but yeah, so there's, there's basically four categories that the press releases are falling into. The, the how to keep your head when all others are losing theirs on black in black November. So in other words, if you must partake here, how to do it wisely. Number two, which is a huge issue, fraud, fraud, fraud everywhere. Mm-hmm. How not to fall prey to the fraudsters. The black November stats, which I quite like as a journalist, are just giving you some perspective on on what's changed, what's from changing, what's shifting. Yep. Yeah, and then the one, and we've only got one example of how. This is how we are doing Black Friday, Black November differently. It's so I hope you've got time to whiz one, through yeah. all of those. Okay, so let's let's do a bit of a dip into each of those categories. And let's start with what, what we really need, the executive summary, Wendy, of your insights. If you're going to shop, how do you shop smartly? Okay, so research, research. Don't get taken in by the hype. Uh, don't believe it's, you know, this Black Friday is the only time you're going to find a good deal. Do your price comparisons in advance. And here's a practical way to do it. Um, use sites such as Price Check. .co.za to actually get a good comparison. So you're not just, if someone says this is 40% off, you don't just fall you're for that. You're not just falling for the Because often it it's, it's yeah. they base that discount on the rec- the recommended retail price. It's often never ever was that price, but that's how they justify it. So don't, then people say, but I bought it two months ago um, at this price. It's not 40% off. And they're justified by saying that good old recommended selling price, which is a bit of a raspberry. That's a, yeah, that's so, a bit dubious. Yes. So, so really... It, you want to compare real prices, um, so do do something like that. Pricecheck.coza. Okay. Um, set up your online in, uh, accounts in advance. The, the the sites of retailers that you're likely to buy from. Get that all done. Um, separate what you can afford to buy. Um, in other words, like when you go gambling, I suppose yeah. you have a, have a the one on band. It's just to set yourself a limit and don't go beyond it. Separate your needs from your wants. Um, I like this one. Put your wants into the basket and wait a bit, preferably 24 hours before checking out, which people are not going. I think they're going to be a bit frightened to do that um, yeah, at Black Friday. That, yeah. Yes, you can. It sort of sits there. And sometimes they will. the sites will send you an email saying, do you want do to you st- Yeah, you haven't the completed this yeah. process kind of thing. They want your money. And people at Black at this time, I think, were thinking, well, it's such a good bargain. It's going to be snapped up and I'm going to lose, lose out. So this is not the time to have FOMO. Um, mm. because it's going to end up sitting as a big debt on your credit card or wherever. Um, yeah, compare the prices. Um, use your loyalty rewards if you can. I don't think people need to be told how to do that. Um, and I thought this was really sage advice, given that according to financial uh, global financial comparison site, finder.com, 7% of South African adults say they will be shopping on Black Friday because they're bored and no, no doubt in need of a bit of retail therapy, as I said. This is a problem. And and there's FOMO. Okay. I think those yeah. three things together. Um, so I, I'm, I'm thinking back previous years. Uh, you know, there, there's certain items that seem to be the sort of the flavor of the month that everybody does get the FOMO about, Wendy. But as you said, check beforehand. If you know you're going to buy the air fryer or the big television, I guess digital TVs might be oh, was particularly attractive yes. this year. With and the, you're going with the to know over. your prices. Know which brand you're looking at. Yeah. Check the prices now. Um, as they are in store now, so that you're not hoodwinked by the the, the large percentage off kind of advertising, and uh, do your budgeting now before you're sitting in front those, of the screen with the, the the messages flashing at you. Those are the ones that pressured. win. There are some yep. genuine 
genuinely excellent bargains to be had, but it, it's for the people who have a plan, who are very calculated and determined around it, and just they want that thing. They've, they've been they needed. New TV, the fridge, or whatever, they want yeah. the air fryer, whatever, and and they go about it. They know exactly what what the price points usually are. They know exactly they can see through the manufactured discounts. Yeah, and and good for them. That's the way to do Black Friday. Okay, but the majority don't do it like that, unfortunately. Wendy, the one thing you've said to us over and over again, particularly in the last two years, is if you're going to be shopping on a site that is not a big one that you know is a legitimate site, like a Take a Lot or a Zoom or a Zando, um, uh, you you need to do some research. Onto, onto those sites beforehand. Especially at Black Friday because yeah. there'll be a lot of them. There's this lovely offer on on Facebook ad or whatever. So budget insurance has summed this up very nicely in their communication, which I enjoyed. It's very important, very specific advice if you're straying from the big tried and tested online site. So screen the URL. Fake website addresses are usually off by a character or two so you can miss it. So interrogate that very closely. Make sure it's the exact URL. Click on the pad box padlock rather in the address box the drop down menu will show you the security information of the website some fake sites have been able to replicate the padlock icon so wow. don't stop there you just take so much time not to get caught use a website checker sites like google transparency report are there to check the legitimacy of websites trust your browser having antivirus software and an updated browser allows for it to warn you when you've entered an unsafe site and block you from going any further and i think with so many of us working from home um, our employers really should have invested in that and I know a lot of the corporates have to be, to protect them but you know yeah. it helps you because it's on your device those um, antivirus sop- software look for a trust stamp it assures you that the site you're trying to buy from will protect your transaction scammers always find a way to cheat the system even with trust stamps so always go the extra mile to ensure that it's a safe site and of course what I always say read the consumer reviews see yeah. what people are saying Okay. A couple of other bits of, of really good advice came in this week, uh, Wendy, that you wanted to mention. Yes. Shafika Anthony, who's the marketing manager of an excellent personal finance website, justmoney.co.za. Yeah, they times. It's yeah. a fantastic website. I really um, recommend you go and have a look. She says, remember to ensure expensive purchases once they are delivered to your door. If you've invested in a designer watch or a statement art piece or your UTV or whatever, you really need, don't forget to uh, include it in your um New policy. So. I'm going to add to that and also be very careful how you dispose of the packaging it came in, Wendy, because it is a, an absolute magnet for thieves who are on of foot course, in neighbourhoods yes. who are scanning at a time like this. If you bought the big new bright and shiny digital TV, don't put the box out with your There's bin. There's another on reason for that. Yeah, as huge and awkward as those boxes are, that if you, if return. it goes wrong in the first six months, you don't need the packaging. According to the CPA, you have the right to re- to return it for your choice of a re fund replacement or repair but the manufacturers uh, warranties go much longer than six months they take over from month seven and if something goes wrong month seven eight nine ten or whatever and you don't have the original packaging they can and will say sorry no recourse so you've got to keep the darn box yeah it's um, another reason not to put it out i don't know where we put all these things but make space or else put it out knowing and hoping that that if something goes wrong, it's going to be in the first six months when you don't have to have the box. Have the box to take it back. That's important advice. Okay, yeah. so be very, very, very mindful of that one, particularly what we know about the surge in levels of petty crime at the moment. Uh, please be mindful of not just putting out the boxes on your pavement on bin day uh, for everybody to to advertise the fact that there's a Look brand new TV in the house. Look what we've got and here's all the yeah. specs for you to exactly, see as well. Exactly, yeah. Okay, and then Absa had some good advice about digital payments, Wendy. Yeah, uh, they're a fantastic way to secure 
to perform secure payments um, because they digital or mobile payment options are tokenized. I'm not going to pretend that I knew what that meant. It does. It means the typical information that a fraudster might use is not available. Um, so card numbers are all encrypted into a token that is used once off and can't be replicated. Even if the merchant is compromised, customers' card numbers are not stored anywhere and remain confidential, which is really good to know. Okay. Um, Wendy, we're almost out of time, so um, we're not going to go any further on the digital payment issue. I really want to squeeze in the mention of somebody who is doing Black Friday differently because amongst all the noise of this amount of discount and get signed on now, in came a press release from a company with, with a slightly different take this year. Yes, as you say, let's do an honorary mention. Feldscorn and Plucky are putting a stop to the manic discounting by using the attention and the ad spend normally lavished on Black Friday as a force for good. So instead of offering products to customers at discount prices like everybody else, this local shoe company has decided to simply give them away. <laughs> so for what Feldscorn calls Giving Friday, they'll give you 100% off the price of a pair of Feldscorn heritage shoes. And before you get too excited, there is just one catch. You have to give that pair to somebody else. So for the initiative, Feldscorn has put aside 100,000 rand worth of shoes from their heritage range. And if you want to partake, you need to visit the Feldscorn website, submit your details, as well as the details of the person that you'd like to give a pair of shoes to. And the winners will be selected randomly and notified after Black Friday that someone has treated them to a pair of brand new Falscons. I like and, it. And there's a plucky thing we haven't got time for that's actually got to do with the pink boys that you were speaking okay. about earlier. Um, that uh, you can go to the website and have a look. That the pros, the, the, there's something. Some of the proceeds go to that. Buying the the um, fifteen thousand rand. Fifteen hundred rand. Sorry, one thousand five hundred yeah. rand boys. So that check that out and well done for a really refreshing initiative ar- around Black Friday. Last thing I want to say, and I'll just summarize a page worth of content in a couple of words, Wendy. We innocent customers are not going to be the only ones who go shopping on Black Friday. The fraudsters do too. Uh, please, at all times, be savvy uh, to the incoming phone call asking yeah, for pins and, and It's right, especially yeah. older bank customers, please. Um, the one case I got in today was a Capitec customer. This, he was driving um, from Muscle Bay, uh, down here, and um, the person claiming to be from Capitex Fraud Department knew his um, IDE number, cell phone number, home address, wow. and was able to reel off his debit orders. So the trust was there. It's another day to tell how those that, uh, how that, they got my yes. information. But he yeah. lost seventy seven thousand rand as a result because. He shared what the banks called keys to the safe, keys to your to yeah. your bank account. So, if anyone phones you and you, and you you do go on high alert, saying fraud about to be perpetrated on your account, please end the call and have your bank's legitimate fraud hotline saved in your contacts on your phone. Or if you don't have that, I suggest you do that right now if you yeah. don't already. Go onto the website of the bank. Don't take the number of anything that the fraudsters, the call has given you. you. Yeah. And um, 99.9% of the time, it's going to have been a fraudster. But once you start giving them your one-time passwords and your banking details, which is why they've phoned you, that's how you get to lose sums in the region of 77,000. Okay. It's going to be rough now. So please, please, spread the word. We've got to stop this happening. I'm getting complaints almost daily of oh, people no, falling terrible. for this. Wendy, thanks as always for the heads up on that. We have to leave it there. Wendy Nola, our consumer a journalist and remain. You can contact her on consumer at nola.co.za.